Yeah. All right, joining us today is uh, Brian Newbert from the Purdue Rivals site. Uh, Noobs has been covering Purdue since the turn of the century. That that sounds crazy, doesn't it? That's a, it's been a while. A lot huh? of time. <laughs> you see, the good thing for you is you only seen a couple of coaches at Illinois. We, we've gone through them a little quicker, so uh, yeah. you know we've you know we've had like a, a group of four here. But so what what are your thoughts on uh, the college basketball season this year as a whole? I mean, it's it's been kind of a crazy year. The Big Ten's. Uh, there, you know, Michigan State's 0-3, Northwestern's at the top of the league. I mean, what, what's been your thought on this so far? Yeah, it's been pretty crazy, especially in the Big Ten. But, I mean, how often have Duke, Kentucky, and North Carolina and Michigan State all been down at the same time? You know, it's kind of one of those deals where you sort of wondered coming into the year, how is the offseason, how is all that's going on in the world going to affect everyone? And I don't know if there was a blanket answer to that that you could apply to everyone. I think it was going to – it was going to affect every team differently. I think you saw that in football. I don't think anybody expected Michigan to be horrible. I don't think anybody expected Penn State to be horrible. Meanwhile, Northwestern wins the Big Ten West because they got the least COVID, <laughs> probably. <laughs> True. Indiana has a great season until they get hit with it at the end. It's just, I think college sports all across the board this year, the results were as randomized as ever. Uh, because of just the sheer uniqueness of this season. But I think in terms of basketball, I think the Big Ten's got it right, you know, with all all the testing every day and, and all that stuff. I think it's a lot easier to keep a 12-man bubble as opposed to a 100-man bubble with football. I also, the jaded part of me wonders if a lot of basketball teams didn't get herd immunity really early in this because they were all out still playing and whatnot, and they probably all gave it to one another. Um, so I don't know if it's as big a, been as big a deal in the Big Ten for basketball, but the schools obviously without the resources it, during the non-conference season, that's where it got really dicey. Uh, but the Big Ten seems to be through that now, and uh, you know the Big Ten's as random as ever because uh, um, who would have expected Northwestern to go three and zero? Even though I don't know if they're actually any good, uh, it's just. But that that's also kind of the nature of the Big Ten here, where the Big Ten was a complete. Uh, a complete cannibal show last year too, where everybody yeah. was beating up on each other and uh, and all that stuff. But it should be fascinating the rest of the way. It's been fascinating so far, that's for sure. Yeah, no question. I you know nine nine teams ranked in the top twenty five is is rather crazy if you think about it. That's a uh, that's that's a lot of you know depth in the league. I mean, yeah. really outside of Nebraska, you know, yeah, and and they're not, I don't think they're as bad as we thought they'd be, but. Outside of Nebraska, pretty much every game you play is is a dogfight. I mean, you you could lose, you don't show up, and you could lose. So, so you know, it, it, do you think the fans not being in attendance has had a big? I mean, you you've been live at these games. Do you think the fans not being there has had some effect on on the play as well? Uh, I, I I don't know if the results necessarily bear it out so far. I know that you know Northwestern would have been really hard pressed to win at Indiana if that place was full, I know Penn state would have been hard pressed to take them to overtime. Had that place been full. I think the Purdue's the Indiana's of the world, they really rely on their home court advantage and not having that I think has been, has been different. I don't know if you've seen anybody get burned for it quite yet, but I think it's certainly something where I think you have to have a mature team. You also have to have kind of a self-energized team. You have to have it in you. You know, I think the coaches have to do a little bit of a better job kind of putting energy into their players. Uh, I think you're seeing that at Maryland right now because that whole bench area looks like it just drank way too much coffee. I don't, they must have, 
<laughs> had some sort of team meeting and said, guys, we need, even if we don't mean it, we just need to jump around. We need to give each other energy. And you saw what happened. They just won at Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, but watching them at Purdue, they were, they were uh, really, really into it. And, you know, I, I think that's really important for teams to have that, you know, that sort of uh, self-imposed energy, but it has been really weird. And, you know, speaking from my perspective, at some point this season, Indiana is going to come to Purdue and play here. And that is going to be the weirdest thing I've ever seen uh, because a Purdue Indiana game played in front of no one is going to be the most surreal experience I think I've ever covered in basketball. <laughs> it's been wild. I, you know, it's uh, even not even having family members. I, I Illinois did get one game uh, at Missouri where they got to have a few family members yeah. and people like that. But overall, man, it's been crazy. I, I think it's uh, it's a different dynamic. I, I don't know if it's like you say. I don't know if it's affected wins and losses, but it definitely is a different experience having uh, no fans there. It's just the piped-in crowd noise just doesn't do it for me. I don't know about you. Um, so yeah, Purdue. It's. Uh... Purdue actually can have families there. The state of Indiana is, is allowing families in. It's almost like an AAU game because you can hear every mom, you know, and it's almost like whoever's mother screeches the loudest has, has the advantage here. It's just, it is completely surreal. I don't know if you saw Underwood's, no, if I, did, I don't know if you saw Underwood's deal yesterday where he, or the, on his podcast that he did this morning, uh, he was talking about how he, you know, the, talking to the officials, they can hear everything you say now. They used to be drowned out by, yeah. you know, the, we got they got the orange crush behind the Illinois bench. They couldn't hear half the things he was saying. Now they can hear everything he says, so he has to be a little more careful because uh, yeah. you know, they, they, he, he's been known to, you know, uh, uh, throw a few uh, expletives out there uh, a couple times here and there. So, uh, well, um, it, it's uh, the one part of this I've kind of enjoyed has been every time a player goes – goes to the basket you can hear them yelling and one it's just like an au game <laughs> it is. you know it is. um all we need is somebody's mom yelling take his ass or something like that and, uh, do him you know, do him would be, yeah it would be just like the peach jam yeah yeah it's uh it's pretty crazy um so purdue you know purdue's actually i mean they weren't they weren't picked to be at the top of the conference but they've started off uh been okay they've been up and down they're young but uh what are your thoughts on their them so far this year yeah, they're still working through some things. They're going to be inconsistent all year. They've been inconsistent thus far. It's another one of those deals where from game to game, from half to half, they can be very different. Uh, that's kind of the nature of being young. Uh, half their team hadn't played a college basketball game before November. Uh, they had a couple of really key injuries early in the season, so they haven't really been whole for more than a couple of games now. Eric Hunter was out early in the year. Jaden Ivey was out for, I think, five games. So they're just kind of getting things together now, but they've got a lot to overcome here. They've got a lot of inexperience uh, to overcome. They're not very good on defense. Uh, I think that um, consistency, again, remains an issue. They've got to not turn the ball over uh, because, you know, they're a team that has enough defensive limitations where their best defense has to be a good offense. And, you know, when you are uh, as young as they are, counting on pristine execution all the time, and uh, a lack of mistakes is, you know, a lot to expect. But they've certainly got a lot of promise. You know, their junior class is is good. Eric Hunter's a good player. Sasha Stefanovich is a good player. Travion Williams can be a really good player. I don't know if he's where they want him quite yet, but he's getting closer and closer. The freshmen are all really good. All of their young guys, I think, are going to be good players. Uh, they've done some pretty good things now. Uh, but I think they're all collectively only kind of scratching the surface of where they can be. So this is going to be a process for Purdue. 
they had a lot to fix from last season. Uh, they lost their two most experienced guys. There was some addition by subtraction there, but there is some subtraction there too. Uh, but this is going to be a process. And I think whatever you do this year, you know, can set you up for next year when they should be, you know, pretty salty. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I think they're, they're young and they're going to, would you agree? They're, they're just inconsistent. They're going to have days when they're going to beat some people. Maybe they shouldn't beat, And then they're probably going to lose some games. They, they shouldn't lose just because of that youth and experience. Yeah. Uh, they played at Miami in the big 10 ACC challenge. They dominated the first half and they completely fell apart in the second half. And, they lost to a mediocre team that didn't have its best player and the only player on its team who can score. Uh, it was, it, it was completely befuddling from their perspective and very similar to a game they lost at Marquette the year before. Um, so that was kind of a troubling sign early, but also a reflection of the reality of the fact that, you know, when you're breaking in this many new guys and you're expecting the returnees from last year to be something much more than they were last year, there's going to be a process involved there. There's going to be some inconsistency and, that's kind of exactly what happened, what has happened. So you, what are you, is there something like when you've watched them play this year and I'm sure you've seen every game, is there, is there something like a key to, you can tell early in that first four minutes, six minutes, like, all right, this is going to be a good night or this is not going to be a good night or this is a key. What, what do you look for? Yeah. They can't turn the ball over. I mean, their, their success this season is directly correlated uh, to turning the ball over. And I say that after they lost at Rutgers, turning the ball over only eight times and they still lost, but they were right there at the end. Uh, that game came down to the final minute of the final couple minutes. But that's been the biggest thing for them thus far has been turnovers, keeping people out of transition, making sure that they're giving themselves their best chance defensively to be set up because they're going to, they have to overcome a bunch of stuff on defense. And when it's easy on the offense, then it, you know, produce margin for error shrinks even more, but also they're a pretty good offensive team when they have the ball and they just have to maximize their opportunities on offense and maximize their opportunities to actually give themselves a chance on defense with turnovers. That's been the biggest thing so far, but it's quickly getting passed up by kind of defensive issues. Purdue really struggles to just guard a simple high ball screen. Uh, Purdue struggles to guard the corner. Um, the three-pointer from the corner because they're so intent to protect the lane to close down on ball handlers and whatnot. So they have some real stuff they need to clean up here from a defensive perspective. They've got some experience limitations there. They've got some physical limitations there, but they simply have to get better defensively. Well, I have a lot of, I'll be honest, and I'm sure you do too. Matt Painter, I think, is one of the best coaches in college basketball when it comes to, you know, teaching defense and just coaching in general. I think he does a fantastic job. So I think they'll clean it up as the year goes on. Um, uh, you know, and, you know, the I guess the days of the Purdue, you know, thinking of them as being that grinded out team are a little different now. They're they're, they're, they're going to have to outscore you. They kind of fit in. Of course, it's Illinois. A lot of the years. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 you know, Iowa is kind of the opposite. You know, they're, they're like Purdue is now. they got to score to win. You know, they don't defend very well. Illinois has struggled a little bit defensively. I mean, but they're they're scoring at a, you know, really high rate. The other day, Indiana did a good job on them, but they, you know, overcame it. So, Illinois has – Purdue and Illinois play on Saturday. Um, Illinois obviously uh, fairly highly ranked in, you know, in all the computer rankings, Ken Palm, Sager, and um, 15th in the AP poll. But uh, – you, you see some uh, – we've seen some holes. Do you think Purdue can exploit some of those things that Illinois struggled with? Uh, you know, Illinois is a really tough matchup for Purdue, uh, especially because they've got so much athleticism on the perimeter. They're so tenacious. Last year, you know, Purdue really struggled with some of the 
some of the brasher, some of the more chatty, uh, some of the more aggressive teams in the Big Ten, those being Rutgers, Illinois, Penn State, and really kind of back down from them competitively. That 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 game that Purdue played in Champaign was unlike anything I've ever seen. Kofi Coburn got right between their ears from the jump, you know, uh, and they just completely backed down competitively. I think Purdue's a little bit better that way this year, but I do think there are some real matchup difficulties here with Kofi on, on the inside uh, against their bigs because he's so big and so physical and such a force on the offensive glass. And then on the perimeter, obviously, you got a couple killers back there with uh, with with Io and Frazier and now Adam Miller. Uh, those guys are athletic. Those guys are tough. That can give Purdue problems at times. Purdue, again, is really struggling just to guard a high ball screen. <laughs> just a simple high ball screen. Uh, Purdue's really, really struggling with that, you know, that can be a real problem for them with with Io if, if they don't tighten that up real quick. So it is a really tough matchup for Purdue, but they're going to have to show that they are willing to compete much better than they did against Illinois uh, first and foremost, or else nothing else will matter. Yeah, and obviously those two games last year were tough. One game, you know, Trent Frazier goes nuts, and, you know, the other game Purdue really yeah. struggled to put the ball in the basket. So yeah, I think that um, – you know, it, obviously, if the, that happens again, that they're gonna, it's gonna be a long day for Purdue. But I do think this Purdue team's a little bit different in their, you know, in their ability to put points on the board. I mean, and so yeah, you can hang around sure. sometimes. You know, when their team gets hot, you you can hang with them a little bit and and don't get yourself out of, you know, out of range. Um, so it, what is what's Matt take, Matt Painter? What's his take on this team? I mean, obviously, this isn't the way he probably ex- wants to do things. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to rely on offense. He'd like to be able to better defensively. What's his take so far? Yeah, he obviously, I mean, this has to, it kills him every time his team struggles defensively. Um, obviously that's, his head has made him into, you know, you know, perhaps running more of an offensive program these days, but his heart still lies on defense. And finding, finding a balance this year has been tough. Now Purdue had a couple guys last year, Nojel Eastern and Matt Harms, who were good defensive players. You know, they weren't the best offensive players. There was some drama surrounding both of them sometimes. So there are some things Purdue doesn't miss about those guys, but they also covered up some stuff from a defensive perspective um, in this on this team, in this program. And um, uh, they just haven't been able to overcome some of that stuff this year. I know it's driving him crazy. It has to drive him crazy. But uh, he's also a coach who, you know, wants his team to be old and, you know, stay old as a lot of college basketball coaches do nowadays, as hard as it may be with all this transfer stuff coming. Um, but he is understanding of the reality um, he's in, I'm sure, where he has six guys or five guys, whatever it is, playing for him who haven't, who haven't, you know, hadn't played a college basketball game as of a month ago, plus a junior class and, and one sophomore uh, who, other than probably Eric Hunter are guys who have real defensive limitations. I think he's understanding of where they are. I think he just would like a little more discipline. He'd like a little more attentiveness and he will always want a little bit more effort. So I think he understands the position he's in, but he just is going to keep demanding more and, and kind of hoping for the best. It's um, it, it, that's something coaches talk about a lot. And, and I think fans lose sight of it. They see a kid, you know, this kid was ranked this and this kid's ranked this. And we see that with Kentucky being old is huge in college basketball. I mean, it's one of the most, I, I think, you know, obviously talent is really important, but when you don't maybe get that five-star top end talent, you got to be old. 
and you look at the teams up on the that are ranked highly a lot of them are old you know they they got veteran guys to mix in with those young guys and bring them along slowly i mean you look at illinois even you know having io and obviously as a junior and kofi who played all last year he's a sophomore but you know he's had that year it's much easier for guys like Curbelo and Miller to come in and, and even Coleman Hawkins to come in or even the transfers to come in and play because they've got DeMonte Williams, who's been playing for four years. Trent Frazier been playing right. for four years. They, they're old. So I, I think right. that a lot of fans don't understand that, but coaches, and, and we see that a lot, that the old teams win in college basketball. Yeah, I, I didn't think Wisconsin was terribly good last year, but they still won the Big Ten. And because – I saw a tweet from somebody uh, last week that said, like, Wisconsin starting five is legitimately older than the Bulls starting five. That's why, because those guys are experienced. They're grown men. They've been playing together forever. They're comfortable in their system, and they've been through everything. So there's nothing that can really happen to them that they're not ready for. That I I don't think people – you're right. People don't understand that. People don't understand that just because Christian Lander at Indiana was a five-star recruit, that he's going to come in a year early and he's going to hit the ground running. I, I always like to say that all that recruiting stuff resets as soon as they set foot yeah. on campus. They're all, all the same after that. That I, That's not necessarily true. Obviously, some guys are more talented than others, but you just don't know how guys are going to handle things. Purdue has the two best freshman guards they've signed in a single class this year in Jaden Ivey and Ethan Morton. Ethan Morton gets here, gets mono right away, misses the whole preseason. Jaden Ivey hurts his foot, misses five games on top of a pandemic offseason. So just kind of looking at at recruiting rankings or whatever tells you like a fraction of the story about what a player is, is going to do because you don't know the circumstances. You don't know how they're going to adjust to a system. You don't know how they're going to adjust to structure. You don't know if they're going to like their teammates or their teammates are going to like them. You don't know if they're going to bring girl problems with them to campus. You just have no idea. Yeah, it's 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 different. Obviously, um, it, it's tough. Uh, so, speaking of recruiting, you you have had a, an opportunity. Um, Illinois side one kid in the fall, um, uh, Luke Goody from uh, Fort Wayne, and and you've seen him a lot because Purdue has a twenty twenty two commitment um, who is on the same team, and uh, those guys are obviously a pretty good duo. I think they're undefeated. They're ten and zero as last time I checked. Her, and uh, you know the the Purdue lawyer scored fifty the other night, which is set a school record. That's Pretty good, pretty good day. But uh, tell not bad give, for thirty-two minutes with no shot clock. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's not bad. Give us a little uh, insight into Luke Goody. You've seen him a lot. Yeah, I've I've, I've watched Luke Goody play for years uh, because he came up on all the same AU teams on some other guys I was covering, and I always really liked him. I think he's a tough kid. I think he's a smart kid. I think he can really shoot. He's got a smooth stroke, but he's got great size to him too. Um, I'm curious to see what he'll be able to do off the dribble in the Big Ten, you know, kind of things like that. But he's he, he's getting bigger every time I see him. He's 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 like all of like six 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 seven now, but he's starting to fill out a little bit. He's looking like a forward. And um, I saw him post up a little bit when they uh, beat Cathedral uh, in Brownsburg a couple of weeks ago. He's using his body really well, but he's just a really confident player, really tough player, really smart player. And he can shoot the hell out of the ball. He's going to be, I don't know if he's ever going to be like a star, like an alpha in the Big Ten, but I think he's going to be a really, really nice piece. And I think he, he's a coachable kid who will do everything you want him to do. I think he's a competitor, and I think he fits the Big Ten really well. Yeah, I, I think that's one thing when I talk to the Illinois coaches, they're very excited because he's 
he's a kid, you know, he's a football player and two, he was a football player. He's just, he's a competitive kid. He, he, he's not afraid to back down in the big 10. You got to be tough. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a league that has a lot of, you have to have a lot of toughness to play. And then, uh, so, it, you know, he's, they're, they're excited about that. And obviously guys who make shots are huge. I mean, you know, no doubt. <laughs> at, the, no at the end of the day, if you can make a shot, you, we can find a spot for you if you can uh, defend a little bit. So, um, yeah, I appreciate that. And, and, uh, obviously you've had a chance to watch him a lot and, um, you know, covering Purdue and being over there. So I, that, that thanks for that insight. Um, so back to our game, you know, we got a game on Saturday. It's uh, the day after new year's, hopefully, uh, you know, Illinois played the day after Christmas. And so they kind of started out slow. Maybe that was the Christmas hangover. I don't know, but <laughs> hopefully they won't have a new year's hangover, but um, what do you, what are your, what do you, what are your expectations for Saturday? What do you, what's your prediction? Um, I don't know if Purdue's ready to win games like this, uh, to be honest with you. I, I think they took a step forward with what they did at Rutgers, but you were still down 15 in the first half. I just, I just think Purdue hasn't necessarily played its best game on the road yet. I don't know if they've played their best game, period. Uh, I, start, again, we talked earlier about consistency and you know things like that. That's always kind of hovering over their head, but also the fact that you know Illinois is going to go right at them, and I still want to see how they respond to that sort of thing. Uh, from a toughness perspective, from a physicality perspective, everything like that. Purdue is better with that stuff this year than they were last year. Ohio State last year took Purdue out of everything they want to do offensively by pushing their guards around, grabbing their guards, things like that. And Purdue was Purdue looked like a very different team executing offensively against Ohio State. I think they've made real progress there, but still I want to see Travion Williams play really well against Kofi Coburn. I want to see Purdue be able to, you know, stop Iowa on a ball screen every now and then, which you know, they weren't able to do with Geo Baker uh, or Jacob Young uh, the other night. Uh, it's just, there's just a lot of stuff here that, you know, Purdue's going to have to overcome. I, I do think, you know, I don't know how unbeatable Illinois is. I've, I've always kind of wondered about consistency with them a little bit. Um, but I do think on this particular day, you know, Purdue is going to have a lot to overcome. And I don't know if they're ready from a maturity and experience perspective to go through an opponent like this on their home floor. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. I, I, I think, you know, most people would expect Illinois to win I, I in this matchup, but I, I do think Purdue has that puncher's chance. You know, they get hot. Um, yeah. I saw the other day, you know, um, it's the end of the first half and the, you know, they just, uh, the, the guard went nuts, um, hitting, hitting threes, hit like three in that's a row Thompson. and right. Thompson went nuts. And, and, um, and, and, you know, so you, you look, you have a day like that, then you never know you can pull that upset, yeah. but, um, so it's going to be fun. So yeah, Purdue we, has to make sure they keep the turnovers to a minimum and that they have to make threes. And, you know, it's a small sample size thus far with only three road games, but Purdue's not shot terribly well on the road. So those are obviously things that are kind of non-negotiables here. Yep. All right. Well, hey, thanks, man. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, we'll see you on Saturday, um, I assume. You're going to be over at the State Farm Center on Saturday. I will be there. And we'll, we'll stay six feet apart. And uh, we'll, <laughs> Please we'll, do. I will have my hand sanitizer. <laughs> there we go. We, we can talk. We'll wear a mask and talk. So, all, all right. right, man. Hey, I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on, Brian. No problem, Brad. Thanks for having me.